Hey, good morning, Edgewood Bible Church family. Um, wanted to send out just a, a, a video here online today. I know that we're not meeting. Uh, you've probably heard the news. That's why you're on here, uh, not gathering together as the church. And so I just wanted to uh, share some encouragement from God's word this morning. And so I wanted to uh, look at Psalm 46. And uh, I know it's been a tough week for many in our nation, for for those of us in uh in our church family. And so it feels like things are changing each day. Uh, I didn't think on Monday that, that I would have a message uh, on Sunday online. That wasn't on my plans. Instead um, here, this is where we're at. And, uh, and yet uh, that reminder that God is still in control in all of this Um, because the nature of the spread of the virus, we felt as best as as a leadership team, not to meet corporately this week. And so it's a hard decision for us and our leadership, but we don't feel like we're disobeying any commands in Scripture. Instead, we believe we're obeying the authority that's placed over us, and, and ultimately, God is the authority over us. So this morning, I want to share just uh, for um, some time uh, in a passage in Psalm 46, the search for security. And so I want to encourage you to, if you're able to, um, just open your Bibles there and follow with me as I, as I look at this passage. It's a familiar psalm, it's a psalm about security and uh, sung by those who find their security in God. And so uh, David is writing this, and um, he says in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge and our fortress. Um, The point of the message here in this passage is the only secure place in the world is God alone. So I want to look at this, the search for security here in Psalm 46. And so uh, there's an outline and we'll make sure that's on the the church app if you're looking for that. But the first point I want to cover is the security and the power of God. And that's in the first three verses. If you're anything like me, this this psalm is very applicable uh, for my life. Um, God's word is such a healing balm to to weary and fearful souls. Uh, We can get so distracted from finding our security in God. And some some believe that if they have enough money and security, that they'll be, be safe. Even today, if you have enough toilet paper, that you're safe. Um, and so we see that franticness in the world, those going out to, to get something to bring some security in their life. And so in the midst of that, this psalm comes to us. And he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And so I have to ask, I have to ask you to, to think, where is your security this morning? And the psalm reminds us, it tells us, Christian, where it should be. God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. He is our refuge. He is our protection, our place of shelter, where we will find safety. And in the the first verse, sets the entire stage for the psalm. 
when life is upside down, when trouble visits our door, when we're encouraged to stay home and it's not what we want to do, uh, we need to remind ourselves that God is our refuge, that he is our strength. And I, and I love how this psalm is written in the present tense. You notice that he says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's not that God was a help, and he was, or, or that he will be a help, and, and he will, but that he is right now our help. He is right now our refuge. And he, and he wants our eyes not to look backwards, although that's very beneficial, or even look forward. But he says, right, right now, look right now. God is in the midst. God is our refuge and strength. God is more present to us than any person on planet earth. He is more present to you than your closest friends or your spouse. He's more present than, than anyone, even the trouble that is, is in upon you. And so don't, don't miss the personal possessive word, our. You can't miss this. He is my refuge. He is my strength when trouble comes. And this trouble means to be in, in tight place, to be restricted, to be tied up, to be narrow, to be a cramped place. And isn't that the truth of what we're facing right now? We're in trouble. What do we need? We need help. We need help. And God says, I am that very present help, which means an abundant help. It's available right now. It's accessible right now. There's no need to wait. God is present and God is giving help. And then the psalmist gives us some very vivid imagery when trouble comes. He says there in verse 2, Therefore, we will not fear, though the waters or the earth gives way, and though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And then in verse 3, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. He begins with the bold statement, We will not fear. With God on our side, how foolish is fear for us? Regardless of, of what the psalmist faces, they have no reason to fear. God is in control. Even though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. And this is a picture the psalmist is giving us of, of confusion and chaos. And I don't know if you've seen any of the news lately, but it's there's chaos out there. With, with those that are that are trying to find security in something else. It, it's chaos at Costco. Avoid Costco, if all possible. It's chaos. And, and, and that's what God, uh, David here is reminding us, that we, we, we don't find our hope in, in the midst of the world, even though there's chaos. And he's, he's talking about more here, even the, the overthrow of nations, the collapse of dynasties, the families in ruined and separated, the persecution of the church, the, the reign of heresy possibly in the country. All of that may happen. All, the worst of the worst can come, but God is still present. He hasn't left. He's still in control. So though the waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble to swelling, no matter what trouble is, no matter how low, loud the noise is, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And friends, do you believe this today? Have you been dwelling on this? Has it been true for your life before today, before 2020, and the chaos that's seemingly happening in our world? So we live in a fallen world. We live among sin and sinners. Has God been your refuge? Has he been your strength? Have you found hope in God of the universe? The mountains seem to be crumbling. The seas seem to be roaring. Have you found God to be a refuge and strength? 
you come to God knowing he hears you, that he desires to comfort and protect you? Or do we look to find our comfort in the world, looking for peace there? And whatever, whatever comes, and, and yet might come in the next few weeks, no matter the difficulties, big or small, um, we have a refuge. We have a loving and caring God who is present right now. Evil may seem like it's winning, but God hasn't relinquished control. He can't, he can't do that. And the psalmist then ends this section here, uh, Selah, and, and three times throughout the psalm, it gives us a pause, is what he's saying. He's, he means to rest. He means to be silent, to, to consider. It's mentioned 74 times in Scripture, 71 times in the book of Psalms, and he's telling us to pause, to be silent, to think, to consider God, to remember him. And is it possible that God has allowed this to come into our life right now, um, this trouble, so that we can again pause and think of God, to remember him? See, he, he loves us so much that he can't leave us the way we are. So he brings in circumstances of discomfort and pain so that we'll stop trusting ourselves, stop trusting this world and and our wisdom and ingenuity and, and our strength and begin to rely on his. And so if we've forgotten about God, he's waking us up again to his sovereignty and his control. See, God didn't bring us to this point to destroy us. And this should bring us hope, friends. God isn't here to bring you down. God is the one holding you up in his grace. Isaiah says, for I, the Lord, your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I'm the one who helps you. God is there. He's walking with us, friends. So take comfort this morning that we serve and love a God who cares for us deeply. So that's the first point. Second is the security in the presence of God in verses 4 through 7. And when trouble comes into our lives, uh, what we need most is not a resolution, but we need a person. Our security is not found in understanding why God has allowed this trouble to come into our lives, our security isn't found in the belief that we can somehow muscle our way through this trouble. Our security isn't found in doctors. It isn't found in lawyers. It isn't found in pastors and families and friends. It isn't found in the CDC, although they're incredibly helpful to us. Our security is not found in ourselves and our strength and our ingenuity. No, our security is found in the presence of God. And God is not weakened by what weakens us. God is not confused by what confuses us. God doesn't suffer from mood swings or exhaust from time spent with people. He doesn't ever make bad decisions or say something wrong or at the wrong time. He never regrets how he acted, and he never acts out of anxiety or compulsion. God is never frustrated by us asking him. He's never put off. He never dreads the time and the day when we come to him in prayer. He is never um, opposed he is holy and completely like no other human being on earth. And that's what's comforting to me, because he's unlike my frailties. He has unlimited power. He has never-ending compassion. He has enduring patience. He is perfect in every way, and he dwells with us, and he ensures that he is never going anywhere. The psalmist speaks of the presence of God. He says, there is a, there's a river whose stream make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her with morning dawns. See, although the, the world seems to be shaken by, by what's transpiring and, and possibly collapsing, there's a, a river, he says, whose streams make glad the city of God. 
You know, Jerusalem was often designated as a city of God. It was a city where the Most High would, would dwell. God isn't only our defender. He's our strength for living. He's our supplier. He makes Jerusalem, Jerusalem secure and peaceful and strong. And the picture of Jerusalem with a river supplying is a picture of joyous prosperity. The water is clear and cool and fresh and abundant and happy. And, and why is this city secure? Because God is in the midst of her, he says. The city will not be moved. But this, this is really the city that psalmist has in mind. Is, is it really this, this, this city of Jerusalem? I don't know if you know your history well, but do you know what happened on August 24th, 410? That was the day that the army of Goths came over the wall and destroyed Rome. They came over the wall th for three days and they burned and they plundered and they killed. But they didn't invite, invade and occupy as if they wanted to say, oh, that superior civilization, look at what barbarians can do. No, they swooped in. They wasted part of the city and they left. It was an enormous shock wave that, that went through the entire intellectual, cultural, social, and emotional world as a result of this. And on one hand, the people were saying, if, if Rome is, is not secure, what's secure? If Rome can't, and if Rome can fall now, what else can fall? It wasn't just a simple financial, physical thing. People were saying, if, if the impossible has happened, the unthinkable has happened, then what? Then what else can happen? It, it was unthinkable. It, what happened was unthinkable. Everything was thrown into uncertainty. Everything was up for grabs. And, and I don't know about you, but that's what it feels like in this last week. Uh, People are, are, are thrown all over. I mean, there's no sports. What, what are we going to do? Everything is so uncertain. And the Christians were every bit as shattered as the pagans. Then The, the reason for that was the last hundred years before the fall of Rome, Christians had been starting to move up. They had been starting to move into the city, into the circles of power in Rome. They were moving up into the arenas of influence, of the government and business and so on. And they finally had made it to the world. They were going to change how the world thought, how the world would act. And everybody said, this was the way that God was going to do it. If we win Rome, and they're winning Rome, we, we've won the world. And this is how God is going to do it. They, they leveraged it. This is what is going to happen. God is going to spread the gospel through the world, through Rome. And now, as it was laying waste, they wondered, has God abandoned us? What's going on? Why did God let this happen? And in a vacuum, Augustine wrote a book called The City of God, the greatest of his books, the most remarkable of his books, the, by far the longest of his books. And, and in it, he says, he says many great things. And he studies the Bible. He looks at Rome. He looked at the situation. He says, essentially, um, one of the reasons why you're all absolutely freaking out is that you've confused the city of earth with the city of God. And isn't that the truth today? There is there's no hu eternal human city. He says there's only one city, and that can't be broken. There's only one city that can't be torched. There's only one city that can't be bombed. There's only one city, and that's the city of God. And he says, if you remember the city of God, you're absolutely secure. You see, if 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 you kill the members of the city of earth, an earthly city, the city is gone. He says, if you kill the members of the city of God, all you're doing is moving them from better quarters in the city. The more you kill the city of God, the more you, it works the perfect completion. You can't kill the city of God. It's going to come. It's coming on. And here in Psalm 46.5, the river whose streams makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. And what is he talking about? He's talking about a city with a river going through it 
that can't be besieged. It can't be overrun. It can't be destroyed. And the best way to, to take over a city is to starve out the inhabitants. That's how you do it. You weaken them. And then you went in because you're, you're starving and destroying each other. And it was terrible. There's no food. There's no water. And he says, you can't overcome a city with a river going through it because they would always have water. They'd always have food. And as a result, as he's saying, there's one city. There's only one city you're secure. And if you're today freaking out, it's because you think your real, real security in life is, is this earthly city. That this is it. There is no eternal city on earth. There's no human city that will last forever. But if you're in the city of God, you're secure. That is the city that will triumph. Nothing can stop it. And, and so he was right. You know, Rome did break down. It didn't recover. Society for centuries became really broken down, become disordered, probably because uh, Augustine helped us understand that giving the church a theological vision of what happened. The city of God continued. The people needed to lift their eyes from the earthly city and look to the city of God. And, and friends, we need this reminder today. We need it this morning. There is yet a, an eternal city. The eternal city of God continues today, March 15, 2020. Although schools are closed and worship services are postponed, it's and it's wise to cut back an interaction of people to be safe and to care for, for others, the least of these. The city of God continues. And he says here in the psalmist, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. God, with all of his, his nature and perfections, is on, is on the side of the church. He's not reluctant to help. He is not sitting in heaven in a rocking chair, upset for us, bothering him again, somehow mad that he, he has to come down and help us. No, he delights in helping his children, and his help is always timely and seasonable. We may be slow in spending time with him, but he is never slow with answering us. And what tool does he use to combat this world? He says there in verse 6, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. Although the loudness and frequency of those that combat God have, have us concerned, and although the, the uncertainty of what this nation looks like in the midst of this virus spreading, God says, I, I am control. His voice um, brings peace and control over the earth. It says in verse 7, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. God is with us. The psalmist uses the same language here talking about God that we saw in James 4 and we saw through in the book of Haggai, when we look there, the Lord of hosts. And he, he means that he rules the angels, the stars, the elements, the planets, the host of heaven. He is Lord over all. The rulers of heaven, the rulers of earth. Whether they know it, God rules it all. He, he rules the Senate. He, he rules the house. He rules the governor's mansion. He rules the oval office. Oval office. He rules all men on earth. And they are under his control and they bend to his will. So friends, remind yourself again of the God you serve and the God that controls over all, whether you're sitting in the doctor's office or the ER or you've carried God with you there and that your moments of physical pain, he's there. When uncertainty rules your mind, God is there. 
when you're stressed and confused or possibly depressed, God is there. No matter how hard and dark your situations of life are, God is with you. You find security in the presence of God. So that's the second last is security in the purpose of God. Do you remember learning about Stonewall Jackson in school? Tom Stonewall Jackson had a strong, unshakable belief about the sovereignty of God and that God was always in control, even when it seems the world was falling apart. At the first battle of Bull Run, while shells and bullets were flying around, Jackson stayed on the horse and remained calm and collected like nothing was going on. George Bernard B. saw this and told his troops, quote, There stands Jackson like a stone wall. Men, let's determine to die here with him. And after that battle, Tom Jackson's brigade became known as Stonewall Brigade, and he would forever be known as Stonewall Jackson. Jackson's courage and composure really came out in, in this great battle. During the heat of the battle, a messenger came and handed Jackson a letter to sign. He dismounted, and when he, and he did, a cannonball blew up a tree that was nearby. Wood chips rained down on Jackson. Without missing a step, though, he calmly brushed the wood chips from his paper and continued reading. He then mounted his horse like nothing happened. Others saw this and were amazed at his composure when danger was all around. And someone asked him how he could do it. And Jackson's response was right on. He says, my religious belief teaches me that I'm just as safe on the battlefield as in, in, in my bed. The Lord has already appointed the day of my death, so I need not worry about it. I live my life and prepare myself, so I'll always be ready to meet my Lord when death does overtake me. And Jackson had a biblical view of life and purpose of God. He was secure. He recognized his security wasn't in himself, but in God. Do you feel that same sense of security, friends? See, Jackson's pursuit was of his God. He didn't allow the chaos around him to dictate how he lived his life. He found his, his complete security and solace in God alone. And because of that persistence, he found the purpose of God. His psalmist continues in verse 8, he says, Come now, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. He says, come and see the works of the Lord. Look, look back now. Look back and see how the Lord has answered, how the Lord has defeated the enemies of Israel. Oh, he's brought desolation on the earth. Beast. And then he says in verse 10, and this is the one that, that most people know, that maybe um, you're familiar with the most in this psalm. And it says, be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. This is really one of the most famous verses in the Bible. Perhaps the one of the most misinterpreted verses also. See, this isn't a call for contemplation, like meditating. In fact, this has nothing to do with meditation. This is a redemptive call to surrender and to know God personally and intimately. Charles Spurgeon says, Hold off your hands, ye enemies. Sit down and wait in patience, ye believers. Acknowledge that Jehovah is God. Ye who feel the terrors of his wrath, adore him and him only. Ye who partake in the protection of his grace. The New American Standard Bible translates this, says, Cease striving and know that I'm God. And I like that version better. Cease striving against the God who created you and who's Lord over all. It's an imperative verb in the Hebrew. It's not as much be still with just a, a soft voice and calmness. No, rather it's stop. Stop striving. 
Stop exerting yourself and your agenda as if you were God. Elizabeth Elliot says, lay down your arms, surrender, and acknowledge that I am the one and only victorious God. The psalmist is warning those that, that are against God and their continual fight against God and that it'll end poorly. So stop fighting against him. Stop pushing against him. Why, he says, because I will be exalted in the earth. So friends, if you've hopped on here on our website or, or this video was shared to you and, and you wouldn't consider yourself a Christian, today is a day of salvation. And this psalm is warning you. Don't run from it. Lean into it. Cease striving and know that he is God. Stop running away from this. Stop living your life your own way. Stop and turn to Jesus Christ. See, Psalm 46.10 is a warning. It's not a bumper sticker. Perhaps this lockdown, this social distancing that's happening in our culture is a wake-up call for your spiritual life with God. And if you're listening and you're a Christian, this psalm is a comfort to you, isn't it? You've experienced this in your life when confidence that you had in something in life gives way and you can you now force to trust in God fully. When the ground is shaking, the mountains teeter, and you can trust in the God of Jacob because he is your fortress. He is your mighty tower. He's your refuge and strength. And it's in those very trials that we initially hate and we, we loathe. Those are the times that God uses. Those are the situations that he brings about to draw us to himself and to trust him when all other supports fall away. And God uses those trials in our lives to show others who watch us who know us, and to see how we respond to the God that we hold so dearly in our hearts. God uses those times to magnify the gospel. If those moments of peace are foreign to you, my friend, then perhaps you're on the outside looking in. Perhaps you have continued to look for peace and security in things other than Jesus Christ. And, and those things continue to fail you. They disappoint you. See, this is what we're talking about here. You want to experience peace, true, lasting peace? Come behold the works of the Lord. See, this is only reserved for Christians. And we can recall this morning, we can pause and think through what God has done in our lives. We recall what God has done in our church family through the gospel. We remember how he's been faithful to us and that he's given us all we have ever needed. And we, we behold the works of the Lord. We see his purpose in it all. And his purposes are not yet done. He says he is God. He will be exalted among the nations. He'll be exalted in the earth. See, on that glorious day when Christ rose from the dead, defeating sin, securing salvation for all who believe, on that day, everything changed. And from that day to this day, Christ is still the Lord on the throne. And yet we look forward to that coming day when he's coming back to make everything right. So I, I want to encourage you, friends, abandon your search for everything else. Your, your security should only be found in God alone. And he uses the first person plural throughout this psalm. Did you notice that? This was written for, for and to be used by God's people. That He is our God. He is our refuge. We will not fear. The Lord of hosts is with us. And we do this. As, as Christians, as the church, even when we're scattered, even when we can't gather together. 
this psalm is one of the most famous psalms quoted many times over the years. Many in the world know these words, quoting these words, holding to these words to bring comfort. But unfortunately, many quote these words and have no relationship with God, the one who wrote these words. They feel it might bring some needed relief, but ultimately it further damns them because of the separation that it identifies in their life. Make no mistake, these words can and should be comforting, but only if the God of Jacob is your God. His words say the God of Jacob, but my question to you is, is he your God? Christ came to fulfill the law. He came to be our substitute for us on the cross and to rise again and to save all those that would turn from their sins to trust in him. Friends, have you turned from your sins? Are you clinging to Jesus Christ above all else in this world? Have you trusted in him to cleanse you of all your unrighteousness? This is the ultimate call of God in this psalm. And it's the only way for true security in God. I know that many recognize this in this psalm and, and is a, um, a hymn that comes to your mind. It, this was Martin Luther's favorite psalm, it said. And when February came in 1546, Luther was already known as a major reformer and leading figure in history of the church. And he laid on his deathbed in Germany. And his last words were this, our God is the God from whom comes salvation. God is the Lord by whom we escape death. See, firm to the end, Luther remained strong in his faith in the Lord. God was his mighty fortress. He was the bulwark, never failing, both in life and death. He was willing to forego all earthly security so that he could fully know and experience security fully in God. And by faith in Christ and Christ alone, the work on the cross, Luther placed his faith in God alone. So I want to encourage you, friends, uh, when this is done, just pull that song up. If you know it by memory, sing it. A mighty fortress is our God. May that be your peace and encouragement in these coming weeks as we wait for to see what the Lord is going to do. I want to pray and then uh, thank you for just joining us just for a few minutes here this morning. Uh, so let's pray. God, you are alone are our refuge and you are our strength. And from the pains of and trials of life, and though the whole world seems like it's falling down around us, it's to your holy place in Zion that we look forward to, that city of God where every tear will be wiped away, every fear dispelled. Teach us to look to you so that we can direct others to look and see your good works. You are the God of Jacob. I'll open our eyes to see your exalted position to this day. We do pray for protection for those who are susceptible to getting sick. And we ask that you bring protection to them, bring them comfort and strength. Help us as a church family scattered this week to serve you well, whatever our context and we look forward to that day when we will be reunited together as one body to worship you. But until that day, help us to rest in you alone. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for joining us this morning. And uh, we'll give you more updates as a church family in the next uh, week as the elders meet this evening. So the Lord bless you.